What is up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. It's another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tanguma. Sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Dominic, how are you doing today? Well, today, I am fine. Tomorrow is a whole nother story. Brandon, how are you? Doing fantastic opening day was yesterday baseball is back yes maybe the a's didn't get their win on the first day but it's okay i'm just happy baseball is back fans are back not all of them some of them well unless you live in texas which we're not going to talk about but we have a lot of stuff to talk about dominic did you partake in any of the opening day festivities i know you did have work but what are your thoughts on baseball being back 162 we well, I mean, we got some coronavirus news, but we're going to not talk about that right now. <laughs> I mean, I did see some of the is game. I did watch some of the Giants game because I'm a homer, but um, saw a lot of positives on both sides of the field, offense and defense. Like you said, probably not going to talk about uh, how both teams played because they both got the L. But like you said, long season ahead. Hopefully it is a long season and uh We'll t- I'm sure we'll touch on some of those aspects today. Yes, we have our 2021 MLB preview. Unfortunately, we cannot come to terms with now just, I guess, full-blown enemies. Damn the right. Podcast, Trapdoor to Hell. If you guys listen to Trapdoor to Hell, they had some uh, scathing words for Dominic, and Dominic did not take too kindly to those words. Bunch of assholes they are, man. So, so they're not frenemies. They're just straight enemies now. And we will go through all the divisions. We will also pick an MVP and Cy Young. Just throw it out there. We're not going to be, we're not going to hold our toes to the fire on these. We're just going to have a little bit of fun. But we do have some news to talk about before we get in to the preview of MLB. We have another major MLB signing. Francisco Lindor has signed with the New York Metropolitans. 10 years, $341 million. It came out earlier in the day on Wednesday that the two sides were not going to come to terms. They were, you know, not budging. They were, you know, I, I guess Lindor maybe wanted more security. The Mets weren't going to give him that. But at almost the strike of midnight before the season starts officially, Lindor agrees 10 years, $341 million, $1 million more than the contract for, for Fernando Tatis. Yes, Fernando's is for 14 years, but in total, Lindor gets a million dollars more than Tatis. Not saying it's petty, but when when you look at the list, Lindor will always be above Tatis when it comes to total money earned. In your opinion, who deserved it more, Lindor or Tatis? Well, these are two different types of contracts. As I said, Fernando, 14 years, 341. You're You're paying for the entirety of Tatis's prime. And we talked about how he might be underpaid by the time this contract is done because of how everything's going. We might see a $50 million player in the next couple of years. 
and Lindor, he already had his prime, prime years in Cleveland. He's still going to be one of the best players in the MLB, but it's a longer-term contract for Fernando, which means you're kind of paying for everything, which you, but you're also expecting, you know, you're expecting him to be better, but you also don't know how exactly can he, will he be better? We don't know. We're kind of expecting that to happen, but Lindor not saying he's getting like the Albert Pujols contract. We're kind of paying him a lot of money for what he did in the past, but he earned less years, more money annually because he's already proven for a number of years in Cleveland that he is one of the best players in the league. And not, and not to mention that I still think he, he has a lot of time left. I mean, I think we can kind of agree on that. You know, he still has a lot of time left, but I'm, I'm starting to get a little weary of these long-term contracts for these older players. Not that he's old, but you know, like you, like you stated, Albert Pujols, great player when he was on the Cardinals, ever since he kind of went to the angels, it's, you know, haven't, he hasn't really shown the Pujols of past. So, I mean, I, I don't think it'll be much longer until like you start seeing teams stop with these long-term deals. I got a feeling. Currently, Lindor is 27. He turns 28 in November, so this is his year 27 season. So when the contract is up, he will be at age 37. Obviously, older. You're you're paying more for his 27 to 32 to 33 years. But one of the best shortstops in the game, maybe the best shortstop in the game. I mean, committing 10 years, 341 million. I agree with you. You're committing 10 years. You never know what can happen, but that's the case for any of these contracts. But when it comes to players, I mean, Lindor is one of the best in the game. And if you're going to commit that type of money, there isn't really a better choice. If you're going to go to a position player than him, I mean, outside of Trout, Mookie, I mean, even more than Tatis, because as I said, Tatis has only been in the, in the league for a few years. You don't know, is he going to fall off a cliff or is he going to get even better? Hopefully he gets even better. He can be the face of baseball and baseball explodes in popularity. But Lindor, I mean, does any of these players really deserve the money? I mean, they're getting paid millions of dollars to play a child's game. But in the market we're in, however many millions of dollars are paying for players, I feel as though he does deserve it. Okay, let's move on. Well then, yes, Dominic. A little behind the curtain, Dominic did get in trouble last week for not picking up the studio audience on time. So if Dominic usually seems in a rush, he's going to be in even more of a rush. We did start a little earlier. So hopefully everything works out, but we will. No tangents. No promises. We will get into our 2021 MLB preview. But first, Francisco Lindor plays for the Mets, going to play for the Mets for a very long time. They were supposed to play against the Washington Nationals yesterday. That entire uh, series has been postponed. The Mets will now play on Monday for the next series, opening series. We don't know when the Nationals will play because they have now four confirmed positive cases of COVID for uh, with the players. They have the tracing protocols intact, and who knows exactly how long they will be on the shelf. We saw this last year in July when everything first popped off. I can't remember. I mean, it almost seemed like almost every team had a COVID case and they put their season on ice but now 162 if you start stacking these up you start missing a couple weeks it makes the season even more of a grind it does suck i i think a lot you know people were kind of focusing more on the positives that baseball is back the fans are black fans are back i mean 
no, not going to say what I just said. Anyways, the, uh, I mean, we got COVID is still here and is ruining the MOB season before it even started. Well, let's just hope it, you know, one little spike, fine, but let's just keep it manageable, you know, and, you know, maybe these players have seen what happened last year will kind of be a little smarter, you know, wear the mask, socially distant and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, let's keep it where it is now, squash it, kill it, and just stay clean, people. Yeah, stay clean. Wash your hands, mask, and, you know, when it's your turn to get the vaccine, get the vaccine, right, Dominic? Sure. Let's go with that. Exactly. Well, the Mets and the Nationals play in the NL East. And I guess in our preview, we will go from the East to the West, now in the National League. Dominic, your predictions for the National League East. Am I just going with who's who's taking top seed or, you know, I mean, like, what do you want? We will. I mean, if you want to rattle off all the teams that know, you know, every single team in every single division, we will go with the winner. And then maybe we'll circle back around and we'll pick our wildcard teams after that. I mean, so realistically in my head, I'm going with, I don't want, I don't really want to go with the Phillies. Cause I feel like, I feel like they're just all hype. I think I will go with, I will go with the Braves probably taking top seed. I think they just, you know, they're, they're a team that everybody wanted last year to really, do something and they kind of did but fell off they come up they came a little short so i'll go with the braves taking top maybe the mets number two maybe a close number two and uh rounding up top three in the east i'll probably go with those phillies so i think i'm gonna agree with you i'm gonna go with the braves for the win to in this division i mean they are just absolutely loaded both on pitching and hitting now, the Marlins, they were able to sneak into a wild card last season, and they made a little bit of a run. When you have such young talent, you never know, but over 162, I do feel as though they will maybe fall off, and they're going to come back to earth a little bit. So I'm going to go with the Braves. We got the Phillies, Mets, and Nationals. The Nationals, we don't know what's going on with the COVID state. I was high on them last year. I think they also had a co- they I, now that I think about it they did or at least Juan Soto had COVID I believe so that he wasn't on the team for a little bit but when he did return he was absolutely popping off and possibly an MVP caliber season this year I don't know but uh, the Mets I think they're gonna they're gonna put it together you got Lindor signed he's gonna be a happy camper this season I think the Mets come in second and I, and I think it's gonna be a really fun race to see in that division as a whole. Cause I think this division, if, if the Marlins turn out the way we think they are, if they are able to kind of keep that momentum from last year and still play at a high level and they got six stone, they got a lot of good young pitchers over there. They're going to be fun to watch the Phillies. I mean, Bryce Harper, one of my favorite players to watch, but they didn't add too much to that bullpen. And it, and that is going to be their Achilles heel. I feel is that bullpen and the pitching in general, you know, they got Asanola, they got the top guys down, but when it comes to the depth and pitching, I don't think the Phillies have it unless their bats just absolutely pop the fuck off. They could stay in games, but I'm going, both Dominic and I are going with the Braves in the East. Correct? CC si, si, senor. Then let's move on to the NL Central. Last season, the Cubs won the division. Now they got some moving parts. You know, they, I mean, Everyone has some moving parts around here, especially in the central. Then followed by the Cardinals. 
big, big move, maybe one of the biggest of the season. They gain Nolan Arenado, one of the best, if not the best third baseman in the league, Mr. X's Reds. They came in third last season, unfortunately. Uh, I don't see them doing too, too much this season. You lose Trevor Bauer. You lose some other key pieces. Then the Brewers and the Pirates. Pirates and the Reds, I feel it's a safe bet to say they will be the uh, bottom dwellers of this division. But when you come to the Cubs, I think there's some question marks there. But I think the uh, favorites headed into this season is the Cardinals and the Brewers, Dominic. I 100% agree with that. I mean, the Cardinals... With everything they did this offseason, really cemented their chances of winning the Central. And Brewers were a little unhealthy last year, um, plus COVID. So I think I'm going to put Cardinals number one, Brewers number two in that third spot. I got a feeling those Reds are going to sneak in there somehow. I just got that weird feeling. All right, Dominic. Uh, I mean, the Reds probably not going to make the playoffs, but Dominic feeling those, though, the Reds will have a, a decent, maybe 500 type of season. The Brewers, Christian Yelich has absolutely had a dog shit year last year. It's 60 games. I think people are going to be like, oh, it was over 60 games. It doesn't count if they were bad, but if they're good, oh, it counts. They're fantastic, blah, blah, blah. The Brewers, they will be a lot better than what they were last year. Christian Yelich is not going to have that type of season again. Had a fun game and opening day with the walk-off win, but the Cardinals, I think, are just too loaded. I think they're too good. They're going to win. Uh, this division. I'm going with the Cardinals. Dominic, uh, the dogs are barking at the mailman, so it's a little bit distracting if you can officially repeat who you have won in this division. I'm sorry. My dog was going crazy. You want me to repeat who I have winning the division? We just have said? all the dogs going crazy right now. Who? So I have the Cardinals. Dominic, are we agreeing once again? Yes, Cardinals, 100%. Uh-oh, I don't, I don't like how we're going. We're just too chalky right now we're just agreeing on everything i'm pretty sure we're gonna disagree on the on the uh on the west don't worry oh the nl west okay dominic maybe has some fiery hot takes everyone looking at this division like it's a, a two-horse race between the dodgers and the padres both those teams did make the playoffs last season then we got the giants rockies diamondbacks uh, the Rockies, I think, especially with Nolan Arenado gone, they still got Trevor Story. They still got uh, Chuck Nasty. They got some some good players, but uh, having Nolan gone, that's just uh, too big of shoes to fill. They're going to be at the bottom, I feel like. But everyone's talking Dodgers, Padres, Dominic. What are you seeing in the West? So, oddly enough, I will keep the Dodgers. That's not the hot take for me. It's going to be the Dodgers are going to be winning the West. I mean unless something horrific happens. I mean, like a plague of injuries, sicknesses and everything, but you know, Dodgers going to be number one. Those, the number two spot, surprisingly are going to be the Rockies. I, I think they're such a dog. Sh- I'm not going to say dog, sh- but they're such a underwhelming team that everybody's going to be sleeping on them. And they're just going to surprise the fuck out of everybody and just win ball games. So I'm going to go Rockies number two and those Padres number three. So, Dominic, I have the Rockies. Maybe they don't finish in last, last place. Maybe they finish in fourth behind uh, or ahead of the Diamondbacks. But I'm going chalk once again. Dodgers, number one. Padres, number two. I think they're going to keep it close. The the matchups itself in the series is going to be fun to watch. Maybe the Padres eke out the Dodgers. But I think as a whole, Dodgers are just too deep. And I think they're going to run away with this division, honestly. I could see the uh, Dodgers winning 100 games and the Padres 
coasting into the playoffs, but still being like six, seven games back of the Dodgers. I, the Dodgers are just too deep, too loaded. It's all, you know, counting on injuries and everyone staying healthy, but the Dodgers are too, too good. And Dominic, like, I want to know why do you have maybe not the Rockies over the Padres, but why do you have the Padres behind the Rockies? I just feel like everything the Padres have did this offseason, the offseason prior, were to really cement their chances of getting into the playoffs and, and contending for a championship. I just have no faith in that ball club that they can get that done. Now, the Rockies lost probably the biggest player ever in Rockies history. I mean, at least since I've been alive. And I mean, I know, I know it was Larry Walker wasn't that bad. Yeah, but I'm saying I know it was opening day, but they beat the Dodgers. So, I mean, if if they're going out opening day and beating the reigning champions, you, you got to give them the credit there. And I just feel like, like I said, everybody sleeps on them. You know, they're they're they lost a lot of respect with with dealing um, uh, with. Oh, fuck. What's his name? Oh, my God. We just said it. Nolan Arenado. Yes. God, I'm drawing a blank today, but they did lose a lot of respect trading him. But like I said, they're sleeping on him. People aren't going to take him serious, and they're going to surprise the fuck out of people. I'm going to disagree with you. I, I know it's chalk. I told I you. I told you that we're going to disagree. Look look at that. Uh, Padres, I think they're going to be a wild card spot. Probably the number one wild card spot. We're going back to the old school. I'm not exactly the old school, but the regular uh, playoff format. Now, Dominic, you got the Rockies coming in second. Do you have the Rockies as a wild card team. Yes. All right. Look at that, Dominic. With the fiery hot takes with the Rockies sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card team. Now, Dominic, now do you have the Rockies number two or number one? And who is that other team? Ooh, I have them number two. And I think that third, uh, third wild card. No, the second wild card. I mean, I said number two. So the first wild card. I'm going <laughs> to, I will give it to those mama Mets. I have the Padres as the number one wild card. The central, as much as I, I don't believe in the Reds or the Pirates, those top three, I, I mean, even the Cubs, honestly, that team, that division, I mean, even the East is kind of loaded as well. So maybe they kind of beat up on each other and it's going to be between the Mets and the Brewers. As much as I love the Phillies, I want Bryce Harper to succeed. As I said, the bullpen, I just don't believe in them. The Nationals, they got Soto, they got Scherzer. They can do some damage, but I'm going to go with the Brew Crew. I think the Brew Crew gets the dub. They get it done, and they will be able to uh, feast on the Pirates and maybe the Reds. Sorry, Mr. X, but the Brewers will finish as the number two wild card team. Oh, your boy. So Dominic and I both have the Braves and the Cardinals winning the division and the, the uh, Dodgers. We all agree on that, but the wild card is where we differ in the fiery hot take Rockies making the playoffs. So just like how I had to hold out my end of the bargain of the Reds making it to the world series, we're going to remember that one. We might not, you know, not going to be any punishments or anything, but we will be keeping tabs on those Rockies, Dominic. Let's do it, baby. Then let's move over to the American league. We got, the reigning American League champion 
Tampa Bay Rays coming out of the East. They traded away Blake Snell. Then you got the Yankees and the Blue Jays. They both made it to the playoffs as well last season with the Orioles and the Red Sox down at the bottom of that division. Dominic, the Rays trading Blake Snell, trying to repeat as East and American League champs. What do you see the Rays doing and what do you see the East looking like? The Rays is going to be at the bottom of the barrel there. Sorry. Hate to say it, but last, uh, I mean, last season was your chance and you blew it. So Braves nowhere in the title picture. Um, you know, surprisingly, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to have the Yankees top dog. I'm going to go, I'm going to keep the Blue Jays at top for me. I'm going to go Blue Jays, Yankees, and then it's going to be an ugly third place, but I'll probably put the the Red Sox there. Okay, okay. I thought my, not my fiery hot take, but I do think the Red Sox will be a lot better than what people expect. The Orioles, they're going to be at the bottom. The Red Sox, they're going to flirt with 500. Maybe they'll win 83, 84 games, not really close to the playoffs. But the Rays, they will take a step back this year, but they still will be competitive. I think they'll be in the upper 80s, possibly vying for that second wild card spot with the Blue Jays. But the Yankees, not a good start to the season. I will admit they, they're top dogs. That stack lineup did not get a hit with runners in scoring position. They, I went like one for nine or something like that in total. And we always talk judge and Stanton, the new bash brothers, if they could stay healthy, they could, you know, pop off and hit like 90 home runs collectively, but they just cannot stay healthy for a 162 season. I don't expect them to stay healthy for 162. If they each play 120 games, I think that's enough for the Yankees to win this division. I got the Yankees number one, Blue Jays and the Rays contending for a wild card spot. And you got the Blue Jays finishing number one. First off, let's talk about the Blue Jays a little bit. They start off George Springer, big signing. He starts injured. Kirby Yates, he's gone uh, with the TJ. So the Blue Jays been by the injury bug to the start to uh, start the season, Dominic. Not how you start. It's how you finish, Brandon. And the Blue Jays will get Springer back, hopefully, sooner than later. And, you know, Vlad's just going to have to, you know, do Vlad things. The Blue Jays offense is going to be fun to watch now that pitching is a question mark. It's all fun and games, and you got Ryu starting opening day. He's fantastic. But then what do you look? I mean, you got Nate Pearson. Good young pitcher there. He's he's going to be fantastic as well. But when you kind of take that second, third level down on the Blue Jays pitching staff, that's where I kind of have a question mark. And with the Yankees, they're just so stacked and loaded that I believe they will uh, maybe not run away with the division, but uh, maybe they get like 97, 98 wins, especially feasting on those poor, poor Orioles. Moving on to the Central. We got the Twins reigning Central champs. The Cleveland Indians, I guess last season we called them the Indians. I guess, I don't know. And the White Sox both finishing a game back, making the playoffs. We got the Royals and the Tigers. Me personally, I think this is a fun division to watch. Not exactly the teams are going to be fantastic and they're not going to win a whole bunch of games, but there's a lot of good young talent on both the Tigers, Royals, and especially the White Sox. Bobby Witt out of the Royals, possibly rookie of the year. Look out for that but everyone's hyped up on the white Sox. they get all these big dime big time signings hire tony larusa as their manager they choked against the uh <laughs> angels yesterday not a good look they weren't able to get liam into the that closer role they weren't able to get it to the ninth inning but 
Dominic, I know people are hyped on the White Sox. What do you see in here in the Central? I mean, I, I think this is by by far my favorite division just because looking at everything, you have the the chance to, you know, really have to dogfight it out at the end of the season to get that number one spot and a wild card spot. Um, the only team I don't see doing well is, was, is the uh, Kansas City Royals. They're the only ones I don't see doing well. Hey, hey don't sleep on the Royals. They had the best record in spring training. True, true. I mean, you can't you can't take that away from them. But I mean, so you have the Indians, you have the Sox, Twins. Those are most likely your top three, and that's going to be a rotating one, two, three all season. I think, in my opinion, um, I think at the end of the season, going into postseason, you're going to have most likely the Twins repeat it with a close White Sox second, and I, it's going to be a close Tiger Indians race. Um, I'll give that third that third seat to the, the Tigers. I don't think the Indians are going to be contenders all that much. They have the the strong pitching staff, which is going to keep them into it. They're almost like the Rays. No matter who they trade away, no matter who they give up, they always are able to bring up more and more pitching talent. And we don't know where the hell they get these guys from, but they just continue to turn stud pitchers. They got the reigning AL Cy Young, Shane Bieber on the roster. That's going to definitely help them. The pitching staff, it's almost like the opposite, I think, of the uh, Blue Jays. The pitching staff is going to keep them in games compared to the lineup. With Lindor out, that's going to hurt them a bunch. But I, I see this more as a two-horse race between the Twins and the White Sox when it comes down to it. Now, opening night wasn't a good look for the White Sox. They had the game almost in the bag, and they just kind of fell apart in that eighth. And it is against the Angels. We're going to get to them. They have a, a good lineup in their own right. But the Twins and the White Sox, I know a lot of people are hyped up on the White Sox. This is kind of a make-or-break year for the Twins. The White Sox are still you know, possibly a few years away from their prime prime. The Twins, I think, they, they're not like a top-tier contender. People aren't talking about the Twins making it to the World Series or anything, but they are kind of a favorite for the Central. As ugly as I think it might look, because this will be a dogfight, I will go with the White Sox to win the division. And the Twins, I mean, it's the Twins. They, they'll, they'll be there. Maybe they, they're going to be in the wildcard hunt for sure. But I, I just... Too much talent. They got Elo Jimenez, RIP. They're going to be fighting for him. White Sox get the win, and they win the division. I mean, uh, I'm not going to disagree too much with that statement, but, I mean, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And then over to the West. First off, Dominic, I, I didn't ask you to – you know, take off your ace hat for a second and, you know, rummage through the closet or the trash and put that Giants hat back on. What do you see your Giants, your former Giants making it? Ooh, uh, I mean, after. So I will say my brother is still a Giants fan. So, you know, you converted me, but no one has been able to convert him. He's a diehard. So that was the game that was mostly on the television last night. I came in the room and flipped on the A's game towards the end. And then I turned it off um, because it was sad to see it. Um, but I thought they had it in the bag. And then all of a sudden I look up tonight. And I'm like, oh, they must have won, you know, fuck home runs and fucking scoring and shit. And next thing you know, it's like they lost eight to seven and oh, in uh, extra innings. I'm like, what the fuck? How is that even possible? So 
if if they're going to be blowing games like that, they're going to be bottom of the barrel. I, I, I'm not going to say wild card. I think they're going to be fighting for it, but they're not going to get it. So, I mean, I put them fourth. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, with the Padres and Dodgers, and apparently, according to Dominic, the Rockies in the same division, it's going to be hard for the Giants. And, I mean, you went up against the Mariners, and I think the Mariners are going to be probably the worst team in the AOS, West, and you can't even get it done against them. They just absolutely fell apart. And, yeah, don't think the Giants are – they're going to be there. They're not going to be, like, terrible like the Orioles. But in a tough division, it's going to be hard for them to make any noise, really. So now let's go over to the American League, the reigning champions, the Oakland Athletics. Then behind them, the Trash Strohs. They had seven games behind the A's. Then the Mariners came in third place. Then the Angels and the Rangers. I think people are really looking at this as the A's and Astros and a dark horse as the Angels just kind of sitting around. You got the best player in baseball. You got Shohei. He's going to be more of a full-time or I don't know if I say full-time, but you know, more of a two-way player than he's normally been. You got Rendon uh, Bundy. He was okay in opening day start, but uh, you know, a lot of people thinking this is going to be a three horse race kind of riding off the Mariners and Rangers, probably rightfully so. But Dominic, what do you see going on on the West? This is a hard one just because, I mean, it is opening day. You can't really, if we're going off opening day, everything that's happening, it would have to be Astros number one. Now, with that being said, I'm going to put, I'm going to put the Angels number one. I don't want to. I'm going to put the Angels number one. Astros second, A's third. Now, I don't think the Angels are really that much of a contender compared to what some other people feel. I know Travis, I forget if he has them winning the division or at least making a wild card, but he has faith in the Angels. You're also sharing that same faith. Dominic, explain to me why you think the Angels make the playoffs when I don't think they did enough pitching wise. And the pitching was always the big, you know, question mark for them. They have a stacked lineup, one of the best lineups in the league. But yet, if you got to score seven runs a game, it's hard for any lineup to do that. Well, I just feel like, yes, they do have a stacked lineup. Their pitching is hot and cold, but I feel like they have the ability to you know, play to their strengths, which is you have Trout, you have Shohei, you have Rundown. You you have these key players that, you know, can make the offensive and defensive plays for your team to do, you know, basically to win ball games. I mean, when when in doubt, I'm pretty sure Trout's going to be the one that they're going to look towards. But, I mean, looking at the A's lineup, I mean, they, they lost a few key people. And I don't feel like it's going to be and everything they did to kind of fill the void isn't going to be enough to win the division again. Uh, Astros lost a few people, but they're the Astros. I think they're still dominant in aspects of the game. Um, the Astros kind of I mean, not the, Astros, the Angels kind of stayed stayed where they're at for the past two seasons. So I think being that kind of constant is going to keep them at the top for now. Kind of, I'm going to kind of write off the Angels. I think they're going to be around 500, maybe a little bit above, but I do think this is going to be Angels or A's, Astros, top one, two in the division. 
Now I'm going to put my Homer hat on for a second and kind of defend the A's. Now, yes, losing Liam Hendricks, Marcus Simeon, those are big blows. I, I don't know why they didn't sign Marcus Simeon, but Simeon was coming off a down year. He wasn't the MVP caliber player he was a few years ago, and yet the A's still were able to dominate. Now the reason they're able to dominate was because they had a dominant bullpen with Liam Hendricks, you know, running the stable. But when it comes to the offense, the offense, I don't, I know they only scored one run last uh, yesterday and it was off of Matt Chapman sack fly. So it wasn't even like a really productive run that they scored, but the A's lineup, I have a lot more faith in than I think you and the guys over at Trapdoor to hell you have a healthy Matt Chapman, like Matt Chapman, not only did he leave because of the hip, but he was dealing with that hip the entire season. Matt Olson tearing it up in spring, you know, not going to put every, you know, put stock into the first game or anything like that, but Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, they're going to be fine. Chad Pinder over there, Roman right field, just give him the gold glove now. God damn it. That's my stepdaddy. But the lineup I think is good. They're going to be fine. They're starting rotation. They didn't lose anybody really from the starting rotation. Now you're going to add possibly AJ Puck. Uh, Jeffries is really good as well from spring. And Mike Fires starts off on the IL. So you have like seven guys that if anyone goes down or anyone's struggling, you can plug them right back in. I think they're going to be fine. The real question and the real key for me personally for the A's is that bullpen. Liam's gone. He was absolutely fantastic. Now who next met up mentality? They didn't use all of their key guys yesterday, but Lou Trevino, he looked fantastic. Hopefully he can go back to his 2017 season. Yes, Mary Petit didn't have a really good spring, and he gave up a few runs. He gave up Chris Bassett's runs in relief when he came in in the sixth inning. But uh, the bullpen, I think, is really what is the key for the A's. Now, do they need to be as dominant as they were last season? No, as long as the offense can rise to the occasion and be a little better. But I'm going to go with the Ast- A's and Astros 1-2. Last season, I picked the Astros to win the division and had the A's missing the playoffs. And then the the A's actually won the division and made the playoffs. So by that same logic, I'm going to go with the Astros to win the division and the A's are going to miss the playoffs. How much did it hurt you just to say that right now? I mean, I I feel like you're muted and you're crying a little bit because – you don't want to say the Astros, but, you know, it's okay if you need to cry for a second, Brandon. Just let me know. I don't know if you understand the logic I'm putting behind this. Last season, I had the Astros winning the division and the A's missing the playoffs, which meant the A's won the division and they were, the you know, one of the better teams in the league yesterday. So you're, you're just trying to, you're trying to repeat. No, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm out here playing 3D check. I'm playing 3d checkers instead of 3d chess so i'm not that smart but i'm kind of smart i can talk now right you can always talk dominic this is our podcast then let's move the fuck on so i have the astros winning the division dominic has the angels winning the division now the wild cards i don't have the a's making the playoffs at all because they're you know they're gonna be right there but they're not gonna make it Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now uh, I have the White Sox in the Central. Dominic has the Twins. And Dominic has the Blue Jays in the East. I have the Yankees. Dominic, what are your two American League wildcard teams? Oh, let's see. I'm going to say I'm going to give one of the A's because they're going to 
squeeze in. They're going to squeak it in. The second one, I think my heart, my gut, I'm going to go with the Detroit Tigers. Damn. Dominic with the Detroit Tigers making the playoffs. So keep an eye out this season, folks, for the Detroit Tigers and the Colorado Rocky World Series, right? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I think that's what's going to happen. But uh, for me, I will go. I'm going to go with the Astros being the lone team out of the West. And then the AL East and Central will have the uh, the two teams. So I'm going to go with the Twins as the number one wild card team, and the I'm going to go with the Rays. The Rays number two. The Rays they're going. I think I just completely contradicted what I said in the AL East preview. Fuck it. The A the Rays A's whatever the fuck you call them. The Rays are going to make the playoffs and sneak in. You still got Randy Rosarena. He's going to be a fucking savage. Yeah, it's going to be hard to fill in Blake Snell, but Tyler Glass now, the sex god that he is, is going to take a major step up. Fuck it. Rays making it into the playoffs. Now, not going to hold. Once again, we're not going to remember this unless Dominic does say the Rockies and the Tigers of the World Series. World Series predictions, Dominic. <sighs> and who wins? World Series, World Series. I'm going to go. With my gut, it's going to be a repeat. It's going to be the Dodgers. And coming out of the American League. I'm going to go with, oddly enough, you know what? Fuck it. It's my fuck it pick. The Dodgers are, should be a shoe in. My, my fuck it pick. Fuck it. The Detroit Tigers. I'm saying it. There we go. We have the Detroit Tigers, your 2021 American League pennant winners. I mean, this is the only type of analysis you can get here on curveballs and chair shots. Uh, For my pick, I'm going to go over to the National League first and just kind of looking through Dodgers. I mean, it's really hard not to pick the Dodgers. Maybe we get an, an NL West, NLCS with the Padres and Dodgers, depending on how seeding works out and stuff. But I'm going to go with the Braves to make it out of the National League. Everyone stays healthy. That pitching staff, I think, is really, really good. Hopefully, they can the, the lineup can stay healthy as well. I think when it comes to just pure health on paper, the Braves might not be as good as the Dodgers, but they can contend with the Dodgers. And I'm going to go with the Braves out of the National League. And then out of the American League, I will go – with the New York Yankees. A little chalky. I know we're going to have a rematch of the mid-90s. We're going to have the Braves and the Yankees in the World Series. And my World Series champion is going to be the Atlanta Braves. Boom. Book it. We're both wrong, probably. Definitely me but most likely both of us. You didn't actually give a, a World Series prediction, so are you going to go? Yeah, I did. F- oh, I didn't say uh, who was going to win. You didn't go full bore, Dominic. Are you just going to? Fuck it. I'm going to ride the fucking Tigers, baby. There we go. Dominic is riding with those Detroit Tigers. It's going to be just like the very first edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots predictions when he said the Cleveland Browns 
we're going to make it to the playoffs <laughs> and win or go to the Super Bowl. Hey, you never know. You never know. I mean, we know how that turned out. They almost went. That wasn't the season they went 0-16, was it? No, they were coming off the 0-16 year. I don't remember. All I know is go Tigers. Exactly. Go Tigers. Uh, Dominic, would you like to do just a quick MVP slash Cy Young prediction outside of Mike Trout? I mean, we all know Mike Trout is Mike Trout, but any uh, let's just go with like players to watch. Who do, who do you think is going to be have the one of the better seasons and be on the MVP list? Tatis, 100 percent. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think Bieber is another one to watch for Cy Young, uh, Tatis MVP. Um, I mean, there, there's a few other people, but I mean, I, I, I think we can talk about this another day. AKA Dominic doesn't have any names that are coming to mind. So I will go Thank you. out of, out of the American league. Uh, we have Jose Abreu being the reigning MVP. I don't think that is going to be the case, but I mean, it's really hard not to pick Mike Trout, but as I said, I don't think the angels are going to be that great, but he's won the MVP almost every single year, even though the angels do not make the playoffs. DJ LeMahieu. Look out for him. I think if he has a another stellar season, especially if Aaron Judge and Giancarlo go down, he's the the linchpin, the guy holding everything together. He will be a a good pickup as well. Maybe even Tim Anderson, good solid leadoff hitter. Some some dark horses there. Cy Young, Tyler Glasnow, please. You know, sex god. Hopefully he does uh something very well. I mean, Garrett, it's Garrett Cole. You, I mean, I know you maybe struggled a little bit. I mean, a lot of bit in the uh, opening season or in the opening day game. But uh, I'm going to go American League Cy Young winner from the Detroit Tigers, Nate Pearson. Boom. We're all, we're riding the Detroit Tigers, baby. They're going to be dangerous. Watch out. Exactly. I mean, is uh, what I say? Nate Pearson? I think I was kidding. Is uh, Nate? I just completely maybe fucked up right now. Let's see, Nate Pearson. He plays for the Blue Jays. I was thinking Casey Mize. God yeah. Woo. Casey Mize for the world for the Cy Young. Nate Pearson on the Blue Jays. He's gonna have a good season too. Maybe I just accidentally fucked up on purpose, and Nate Pearson's gonna be the uh, Cy Young winner for the for the American League. But anyways, Casey just Mize. Shut the fuck up. Take the take the L on that, okay? Just just okay. Just, I try to I try to sound smart and I just sound really stupid. But at least I was smart enough to correct myself. You were. Good job. I want to give you that. So any other news we need to talk about? Well, no, because I want to go to the National League, Dominic. It's only 12 o'clock. We got at least an hour. And oh, my 10. God. Calm the fuck down. I don't want to be yelling again. <laughs> On the National League, MVP watch. Marcelo Zuna, maybe. If he has a uh, pop-off here, probably not. Ronald Cunha. He, he, I mean, if I feel like the Braves are making it all the way to the champ, I mean, if they're going to win the World Series like I predict, I'm going... Ronald Acuna having a fantastic year. Nolan Arenado over in Cardinals. Maybe he has a, a really good year as well. And then, I mean, Mookie, Tatis, Manny Machado out of the West. One of those people. Trevor Bauer, Cy Young, repeat. Mm, I As much as I love Trevor, I, I don't really see it. He has struggled a little bit in spring. It's going to be hard for him to exactly repeat that uh, performance out of 
the West or not out of the West, but out of the Cy Young. Just looking at it, Max Max. For, I mean, you know what? Doubling down, Max Freed, Ronald Acuna. I'm on the Atlanta Braves bandwagon. Cy Young MVP. Bam. Now moving on. You're welcome, Dominic. Well, who's your uh, American League Manager of the Year, Dominic? Uh, who's your American Tanguma. League Rookie? Who's your American League Rookie of the Year? Brandon Tanguma. Okay, let's move on to the NFL. We have some some pretty massive news in the NFL. We've speculated this for a long time, but it's finally been announced. It is official. The NFL is moving to a 17-week schedule, and players i mean alvin Kamara came out he's not really happy about it the players will get some more money like a bonus game check but dominic your thoughts no extra bye week added just an extra game and it's kind of moves everything back super bowl playoff blah blah blah, blah. your thoughts on now officially a 17 week nfl season it's it's fucking old people wanting more money so they can fucking buy more expensive cars it is stupid i understand some of the logic behind it, but I'm not for it. I think keep it how it's been for fucking years. Everyone's happy. Everybody continues doing what they're doing. I'm not for it. I got to agree with you. They are taking out one preseason game. It's going to be three weeks preseason instead of the four weeks and then leading to the playoffs uh, in total, an 18 week NFL season as a fan. Personally, you know, I love to watch football lock in, Every Sunday morning with my cup of coffee, wake up, set the fantasy lineup, points and doinks, returning soon, possibly, who knows. But depends if I allow it. It depends if Dominic allows it, yes. But I got to agree with them. This is definitely just rich white people, rich white men making decisions so they can get more money and not exactly take it into account player safety and player blah, 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 blah. I mean, obviously the player association agreed to this. But that doesn't mean that every single player likes this decision. As I said, Alvin Kamara, not the biggest fan of it. But, uh, the, I mean, they were moving in this direction. And the one thing I think that really helps the NFL is that it has such a short season, such a, you know, one game a week for your team. And it's, you know, put all the energy into that one game and it's so high intensive. And now you're spreading it out another week. Not saying that football ratings are just going to, go completely down the shitter, but we're kind of to relate this to wrestling. When you have so much content, it's almost harder for, for people to keep up and be that interested when you have, you start to, you know, expand how much stuff you put out there. Not saying that's going to happen, but maybe just kind of keep it condensed and have it the 17 week, 16 game season, but it's only one more game. And in theory, it shouldn't hurt that much, but did we really need this? No, not really. I don't think so, but my, my thing behind is if they want to push it back, why not stop? Like, don't do any, like, you know, like, don't do like the not, they don't have back to backs, but they have like they play on Sunday and then they have to play Thursday night or they play Thursday night, they have to play a Monday night game. Like, like, you know, why don't you cut one of those things out so you spread it out a little bit more, but you know, it's a little lesser of toll on the body. You know what I mean? I don't see them adding another bye week unless they expand it to 20 games, not maybe not 20 games, but 20 weeks or an 18 game season. You, you add it, you add another game, make it an 18 week season. 
but then you add another week. So it's a 20 week season overall in total with the two extra bye weeks or with the one extra bye week, two weeks total. But uh, yeah, nothing really too much to go off of there. So let's talk about some actual on the field news. We got Sammy Watkins signing with the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens desperately needed help with the passing game. Sammy Watkins is, I guess, an upgrade, kind of, not exactly over Marquise Brown, but with so many wide receivers out in the market, kind of sucks that, or I don't say sucks, but just kind of shows you that the Ravens aren't going too deep into the pocketbook to expand or get better at the wide receiver slash passing aspect of their game when you got a quarterback like Jackson, I mean, do you really need to throw the ball that much? No, he'll just run it down your throat. I mean, they've had success running the ball for the past two seasons. How, how far has that got them? I mean, they got a good playoff run out of it, but you're all right. You need to have a little more of a, you know, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Not dynamic. Um, explosive. Sure. Let's go with explosive. You need to be able to, to throw it, run it, alley-oop it slam dunk it all that kind of stuff to win a super bowl and the ravens you know if you have one out of the two you can't really do much i agree their game plan obviously will translate to extreme playoff weather snowing raining blah 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 but when you're especially if you're just gonna go up against the chiefs it's i mean the chiefs gonna be there for a long time and if you can't keep up with them it's gonna be hard even though tech if you want to think about it they have the best recipe to beat the chiefs because if they just run it down their throat all game which is what we kind of saw with the buccaneers but we uh yeah i i this is not a, a big move for the ravens you had so many key wide receivers I'm not saying you had to go out and you know spend the farm on kenny galladay but you had ty hilton you had galladay you had uh you know uh even deshaun jackson like not saying he's he's kind of on par maybe with sammy Watkins, but yeah, we shall see some another wide receiver news. The uh, Tyler Lockett has restructured or not restructured, but re-signed an extension with the Seattle Seagulls four year, $69 million. This is a pretty nice deal, I would say, Dominic, right? I think so. I mean, I I think he, he'll gel well with that, with, with them, and we'll just have to... Uh... Keep an eye on his abilities this season. A little bit of a down season for Tyler Lockett. He had a few really good games. He had that one game that I just completely, when me and Travis played each other, he went off for like 200 yards and like two touchdowns and he scored like 200 points on his own. But we're not going to talk about that. But uh, I mean, Tyler Lockett, that, uh, it's, not, it's good to lock him up for four seasons, but he is coming a little bit off a down year. $4 million. It is the NFL. You can always kind of cut bait and, you know, you're not owing him all that money down the line, but Russ seemingly is going to stay in Seattle and keep in one of his weapons. And then D- DK Metcalf is probably sooner rather than later going to either restructure or, uh, you know, get a, get a big bag. Cause that boy is strong and good at the footballs. Now moving on to the national basketball association. We talked about the Heat signing LaMarcus Aldridge. Well, that did not happen because now LaMarcus Aldridge 
has signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Dominic, we kind of assumed that this was going to be the case, but no, at the last minute, of course, after the podcast ends, we find out that LaMarcus Aldridge joining up with the Brooklyn Nets. Your thoughts? Once again, another, well, I'm going to say he's a little washed up. I don't think he's as good as he was in the past. So I don't really think this really adds much to the Nets. Um, So, I mean, I'm not that upset, actually. Let's take that back. I'm not that upset. But just it's somebody who's ring chasing now. And it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's sad, but I mean, wouldn't the ring mean much more if you're on a team that really fought and deserved it? Than having the star-ridden fucking team win it, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's better than going to the Lakers because the Lakers are kind of, you know, a little eh right now. Yeah, I I agree with you on the Lakers front. They are looking a little eh right now, but it also doesn't help that they don't have LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing. But yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge is going to the Nets. They just did get Blake Griffin. Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, he's a different player than Blake Griffin, obviously, but. We're seeing a lot of these players, and they, I believe the Nets are able to have one more spot available for someone like getting bought out. Or I don't know exactly how that works. Too many economics, but we might not see the end of the Brooklyn Nets. We thought maybe they're going to get uh, Andre Drummond, but no, they did not. That I mean, we didn't think that. We just kind of assumed because the Brooklyn Nets are just kind of getting everybody right now. But no, Andre Drummond does go to the Los Angeles Lakers. That came out a couple days after uh, the podcast, and he plays – and then he goes down with a toe injury. Doesn't seem as though it's going to be that serious. He may, might miss a game or two. But as Dominic said, the Lakers being, you know, not being very good right now with their two top dogs out. Dominic, your thoughts on the Lakers signing Drummond? Not, ex- I mean, we can talk about the toe injury a little bit, but maybe just overall signing one of the better centers in the last few years. I definitely, first off, want to say Drummond way better than Aldridge. I would take, I would have taken him in a heartbeat if I was the Nets, if that was a possibility. But um, with Drummond Jordan and the Lakers, I think it's a spot that they needed uh, in a time definitely where you have two, your, well, you know, your two stars are out, but, you know, definitely needed him. Um, he, I, in my opinion, Drummond, he has everything that you want in a big man. The only downside is he does have a little bit of a temper. He's kind of, not, not as much as like a DeMarcus Cousins, but he does have somewhat of a temper. So um, I think I think it's a good signing for the Lakers. It's definitely going to help them. Do I think they're going to repeat? I don't know. You have to wait and find out. I agree. The Drummond signing definitely does help aid uh, more, li- more with the Anthony Davis uh, injury because we don't know exactly what's going to be going on with him and being a center and all that. But I think Drummond is kind of like a, a child's bandaid on top, like a, a big old gash, like a, just a big old bleeding, protruding, ruptured artery. I mean, maybe it'll stop the bleed and help you a little bit, but it's not exactly the remedy for success and the remedy to make everything better. But uh, overall, I think Drummond adds more to the Lakers than what LaMarcus Aldridge will add to the Nets, mainly just because the, the Lakers need help right now. And they, they who knows how far the, the Lakers will fall, especially with the, how loaded the West is. And I think uh, LeBron will come back. He'll be fine. I think the bigger question mark is what is going on with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is 
a bitch. He just needs to get over it. Get back in the game, man. Damn. So some breaking news that just happened. We're not going to talk politics, but the uh, Major League Baseball did announce that they are pulling the All-Star game out of Atlanta over the uh, Georgia voting laws that has gained a lot of controversy right now. And they will not be uh, holding the All-Star game in Atlanta. So, Are they going to hold one still? Do you know? I mean, come on. I would believe they would hold ones, especially since they didn't have one in 2020. A little awkward because I saw the Braves have the 2021 uh, All-Star game patch on their hat. So maybe they're going to take that off. But uh, yeah, just some uh, some news and some other breaking news. We have Dustin Poirier has signed the contract for the trilogy fight against Conor McGregor at UFC 264 in July. So uh, Conor trying to uh, get his win back. Who knows if that's going to happen because Dustin Poirier is absolutely on a tear. And also congratulations to Francis Ngannou, new UFC heavyweight champion. I know I might have predicted uh, Stipe Miocic, but I mean Ngannou on a hot streak. And you can tell like right after Ngannou stuffed the shoot from some from Stipe that it was going to be a long night. And technically it wasn't a long night for Stipe because he got knocked out pretty quickly in the second round. But uh, shout out to him. Any other news and notes, Dominic, you want to touch on before we go into the mailbag? Um, I don't really think so. I don't nothing's really coming to my mind. So I think uh I think it's time for if there's any uh, you know, if there's any questions on, you know, Instagram or anything before we go into, you know, my my slow, my, my catchphrase, my my singing abilities. No, we do not have any questions on the Instagram. If you'd like to send us a question via the Instagram, it is curveballs and cs. Also the same thing on the Twitter machine. But unfortunately, we it's been a few weeks now since we had a question sent in. It's been three weeks, actually, since our former number one fan, Haley, sent in a question. I don't know if she is our number one fan anymore. I don't think she listens. <laughs> Hate to see it. But then uh, Tyler, now enemy of the podcast. I don't think we want his questions anyways. But, you know, no, he can send them in. I'm just not going to answer them. Okay. So I guess since that would, uh, since they are not sending in questions, that would only mean one more person is sending in questions. And that would be Mr. X's questions of the week. Bum, bum. Uh, we really good. I really got to record something just so I don't have to, you know, strain my vocal cords every time I do that. Jeez. Okay. Hi, Brandon. How are you? That's, 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 that's not part of him. I'm just asking. Uh, I thought him. he'd just single yeah. me out and said, no, <laughs> why the fuck would he single you out? You will be it. Anyways. Um, so he says, good Friday to you. So good Friday to you too. I see what you did there. Yep. 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 Happy birthday, Mr. X birthday yesterday. Oh yeah. Cause I told you it was his birthday. Oh yeah. I don't know if you Happy told me, birthday to you. I saw on the Twitter machine. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry about uh, your reds. And by the way, thank you, Mr. X, for writing this question because I know why you wrote, wrote you worded it this way is to help me, and I appreciate that. So oh, thank you. Did he spell out a name phonetically for you? Oh God, no. He oh. just did first names. Question is now that Francis is the new heavyweight champ, I, along with many others, would really like to see him face John Jones. However, however. It looks like it's going to be quite a while before this could happen. Could we hopefully see this fight before the year ends? Well, Brandon, you're Mr. UFC. So are we going to see it? We absolutely should see it. 
Now, will we see it? I think we will. There is just so much money in this fight. John Jones going to heavyweight. Everybody wants to see this fight. And with how the UFC is kind of struggling with stars. Now, financially, I think they're doing pretty good. But when it comes to like stars, Connor, as I said, maybe falling off a little bit, especially losing to Justin Poirier. And if he loses again to Poirier, that's not a, a good look for him. But John Jones, he's the mystique, still undefeated, going against Francis Ngannou, you know, going to heavyweight. There's a big dude going up against John Jones, feeling like this is like the one guy who can actually beat him. And just the shit talking back and forth. If there is shit talking, I mean, there probably will be. They'll lean into a little bit. But John Jones did come out after the fight and, you know, said, show me the money. And he's demand, I think he said like $10 million, like anything less than $10 million isn't going to cut it. But when, especially now that fans are coming back, they're having the full live gate in Jacksonville in a couple weeks. I'm not going to talk about that. But if we go later in the season, we already have a fight signed for July. If you stack that heavyweight fight on top of that July 4th card, is that, I mean, that would be just an absolute mega fight or mega card. Don't know if Connor would like to not be the main event, but. And I think they can have that be a main event on its own, you know, get the Connor money and then bring it back and run it with, get that John Jones money. So it's all economics, too much economics. Who knows how long the negotiations will take, but my feeling is we will see this fight by the end of the year. Now, Derek Lewis is quote unquote, the more deserving number one contender, Maybe they go to that fight, but as I said last week, you always got the puncher's chance, and it's going to be really – I mean, Derek Lewis and John Jones could be fun, but I think just Francis Ngannou against John Jones is a much bigger fight. I don't think you want to mess with that and really you know, try to capitalize on the heat and the, you know, the attention you have on those two right now. Just, just a real quick yes or no. Isn't John Jones the one that got like banned for drugs or something like that, or, or am I thinking of someone else? I mean, John Jones has his drug issues, but he's not banned. Oh, okay. I thought he was banned or something like that. Okay. Moving right along. It's a quick, just little jab question, Brandon. You ready? Has Bryce Harper won the custom cleat game? Straight fire with the Philly fanatic, with the Philly fanatic cleats. Kind of sucks they didn't actually wear them on the field. But uh, yeah, Bryce Harper, straight fire on the feet. Okay. So, yes, that is a yes. A big W for Mr. Harper. Okay, but I will Fr- say I forget who it is. Is it a uh, Frazier? No, someone on the Yankees is always wearing like sneakers, like sneaker cleats, and those are straight fire as well. Someone busted out the Air Jordan Dior's. I know Dominic, I'm speaking complete French to you, but those you things are. are worth like thousands of dollars on its own. And he's wearing them, them. Wear them as a baseball cleat. Respect. Um, so after a frigid opening day here for the Reds, they came away with the loss because of what else? Pitching. I know it's only the first game, but should the Red fans be worried about Luis Castillo's performance? Well, Mr. X, I did say I don't see them doing too, too well in that division, but I do have them finishing above the Pirates, so some optimism there. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Luis Castillo, he's kind of the, the one guy who stayed, and he he's your guy, and he did struggle. Now, first game of the season, don't want to put any too much stock into it. But, uh, I mean, we, we did say that the Reds were very streaky last year. 
when they were good, they were pretty damn good. And when they sucked, they sucked. So overall, I don't think I don't see the Reds doing too much this season, but uh, I mean, maybe for the, maybe the best, the best case scenario is you're a streaky team and you guys catch fire at the right time and maybe you sneak in. But unfortunately I don't see that happening. Okay. Okay. So that's it for baseball. I'm going to have a basketball question, which um, this is probably a good talking point. So Mr. Stephen A. Smith recently said that he didn't care about Russell Westbrook's historic triple-double because he hasn't won a championship. Shaq responded to this saying that all the greats had gone through this type of ridicule when they haven't achieved a championship glory. The question is, do you think Westbrook will ever capture a title in his career or will he be one of those players that is one of the greatest but never got a ring. So I agree with Shaq. You know, don't hate on the players because they don't have a championship ring, especially in this day and age with the NBA being so top-loaded. Now, Russ maybe should have gone a little farther in his career with Oklahoma and then the just debacle that was the Houston Rockets. Now, going over to the Wizards, I don't really see them doing too, too much in the East. So if he's on this Wizards team as it is, I don't see Russ doing anything. I can see him possibly being, you know, the old, if, you know, the, the old guy comes on to a, a hot young team. He's kind of like a Rajon Rondo, but he's much better than Rajon Rondo. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I can see him maybe sneaking in and winning one at the end, but as the top, top guy, the way it is right now with the wizards i don't i don't see him doing too much yeah i agree i mean if this, if all this happened maybe like five years ago i would say he would probably have a chance in the east but with the nets being the nets and the bucks having Giannis, i definitely don't see the net uh, the wizards really doing much um that is it for the sports we have a couple wrestling questions are you ready yes sir after NXT this week, are we more hyped about this title match between EO and Raquel? I don't know if I'd say more hyped, but I mean, it didn't like hurt my anticipation for it. They did, they, you know, they sprinkled throughout the show, just EO kind of going after Raquel and for the most part, kind of getting one up, but they always did the pull apart. But, uh, I mean, it wasn't like the best. The, it, I mean, it's really hard because EO doesn't speak English, but they've done. Fa- I think they've done fantastic with the promos of like EO cutting a promo like in a dark room, and you run the subtitles underneath, and you have little vignettes and highlights of her scattered throughout. Maybe they didn't want to go down that route again, and they wanted to do something different, especially because they had the long form. Uh, promo with O'Reilly and Cole that I absolutely enjoyed and thought that was fantastic. But uh, maybe they just thought to do something different and I didn't think it worked out all that much. The The brawl at the end was was good, I guess. I didn't but, care for it. But it, it's one of those things like we just see that type of stuff so much that it kind of is just numb at this point. And plus, put it through a real wall. Not that fake fucking, you know, set design shit. Put it through a real one, man. Jeez. Anyways. Sorry. Um, let's see. The penultimate question, Brandon. You like what I did there? I said a big word. There are rumors that WWE won't have any matches on the kickoff show for Mania because they don't want to spoil the crowd reaction until the main card. I really like this idea. 
if they go through with it. That being said, whose entrance will be first for Mania? He thinks it'll be Drew. What do you think will be the first? Who's the first wrestler to step on that stage come WrestleMania, Brandon? So I agree with him. The WrestleMania, I mean, WrestleMania as a whole is always just too stacked and too loaded. You know, get everyone on the card just so they can say they're on WrestleMania, get a little bit of a paycheck, which I mean, in theory is fine. Like, you know, get everyone their money and have their little moment, but you should earn a WrestleMania shot. And I I like that idea. Just not have, don't spoil it. Especially WrestleMania is such a long show to begin with. I know it is scattered out over two nights, but I agree with Mr. X that no pre-show is better. They will have a quote unquote, like SmackDown WrestleMania, like a WrestleMania SmackDown where they have kind of the uh, pretty much what would have been on the pre-show on SmackDown. So Dominic, I was going to pull up the WrestleMania card real quick, just to see if they have like officially kind of, I know they've announced some matches night one and night two, but if uh, your thoughts on the uh, no pre-show aspect of it. Well, I'll have to agree with both of you. I mean, like you said, it's spread out over two days. You can have all these matches. You don't need to have each day be six, seven hours long because you have an hour and a half pre-show. Then you have to do all the, the fucking vignettes for WrestleMania. Then you have all the WrestleMania matches and all the promos and all the special guests and everything like that. So I'm happy that there's no pre-show. Now, the stuff that they do on SmackDown, I hope doesn't really ruin them. So I would assume like the Andre the Giant Battle Memorial the uh, I don't know if it's con- is it the, is it still called the May Young Classic? I or no, not the May Young Classic. The uh, the fucking women's battle royal, whatever. I can't remember that was called. But you know, if they do that on SmackDown, I feel like that kind of doesn't really do those battle royals justice. I think those should be a WrestleMania staple. That's just my opinion. But you know, like you said, having no pre-show is great. So I pulled it up. They do for the most, I think they have both cards pretty much set in stone right now. So night one, uh, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Bad Bunny and The Miz, New Day, AJ Styles and Omos, Braun Strowman, Shane, and Cesaro and Seth. Now, have they have they actually come out and said that Bianca and Sasha is the main event in this I match? don't think so. I, I don't was, think they're going to say because anything because I, on the other podcast, I think Philip said something like that is the main event, but I didn't really hear anything set in stone about that. Yeah, so, I, I haven't either. I mean, I don't think you want to go bad bunny and Miz because both of those responses might not be very good. If you don't, I mean, do you want to start with one of the title matches? I mean, as I, I think I, we talked about, I think this was a Mr. X question a few weeks ago. Like I'm not opposed to having, that WWE title match be the opener have drew and Lashley, you know, the crowd will be as hot as it can be. And, you know, you get drew that moment and he gets the win and you can have, you can, you know, tout yourself as all inclusive and have, you know, the two black women main event WrestleMania night one. So I can, I, I could see them going that route, but I also, as I said, 50, 50 booking don't know if they want to have two SmackDown championships be both WrestleMania main events. True, 100% agree. Got a text from the uh, studio audience. She said, what are you doing? I said, podcast. And she said, still? So. Does she not understand, like, what time we do the podcast? She thought, oh, she just replied, I thought it was was always an hour podcast. I'm going to put never. 
It's never been an hour. Only when I like really rushed you. And even when you leave me, that just means it's even longer because I just meander and go on my long tangent. So Dominic, as I read the card to you, who do you think, do you think it's going to be one of those title matches? And I think uh, Dark Horse is maybe the New Day and AJ Styles because, you know, the New Day can get everyone hyped. Maybe Braun Strowman and Shane, but. So you're saying, you're saying main event of night one is AJ and. No, I'm saying, I'm saying the opener. That was his question. Who do you think is the opener and we'll get that big pop because it's the first, you know, match back. Whoever it is has to be huge. Um, I'll, I'll probably have to agree with you. I mean, uh, I, yeah, no, yeah, I'll go with Noonday just because you want it to come out and you want it to be on fire. New Day, popular as hell. AJ Styles being this megastar that he is, one might say phenomenal, but um, I, I'll go with New Day, AJ, and whatever the dude's name is. I don't fucking remember. Oh, nobody. Whatever. All right, and for the final question, so we can get this ball rolling into wrestling so I can pick her up and not get yelled at again. It seems like it seems like some people were complaining that the match between Kristen Craig and Kazarian was kind of slow. I felt the pacing was great. I think we sometimes get spoiled by these work rate era with how fast-paced matches have become all over the last... Uh, become over the... How many, I'm going to repeat this question. I'm mumbling like a fucking idiot. I'm going to slow it down a little bit. I feel like my pace needs to be like this match. It seems like some people were complaining that the match between Christian, Christian Cage and Kazarian was kind of slow. I felt the pacing was great. I think we sometimes get spoiled by the work rate era with how faster paced matches have become over the last decade. How do you feel about this? So that is a perfect transition into the AEW Dynamite recap because Christian Cage and Kazarian was the opener. I'm not going to like fully disagree with mr x i was a little more down on the match i think he was i it's christian cage it's christian you don't expect him to go out and you know fly all over the place like he's one of the lucha bros but that being said it is the opening match first match of christian's career in AEW. you want to get off to a hot start i th- i would have thought you know you want to go somewhat different besides kazarian you know a veteran uh tag team mid carter maybe put in more of a squash match maybe a more athletic person in there to create a little bit more movement for Christian. I wasn't the biggest fan of this, you know, going 16 minutes with Kazarian, the match itself was fine. There was nothing really offensive about it, but it didn't like jump off the page. It didn't like get me too excited to see what is next for Christian. I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I think Kazarian should never have been put in that position. I feel like, he could be doing a lot more in AEW than being this I don't know, stepping stone for somebody like Christian. They could have thrown somebody who's bottom barrel, bottom bitch, just let Christian get his moves off, show him that, you know, he's dominant. Um, what's next for Christian? Probably some stupid world title shot, maybe, because that's what's going to happen most likely. Yeah, they, they brought him in. Tease the match with Kenny. Haven't gone to that at all. Obviously, Kenny is doing his thing with the with the Bucks right now. But with the inner circle uh, pinnacle possibly being like the big, big thing going to double or nothing, you don't need a marquee, you know, seven-star match with Kenny. And if you just want to get out of the way, tell a story with Christian and put him down the card, I'm good with that. But the first step, the match itself, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. 
And I agree with you. Maybe have more of a squash type match and have, I mean, when your catchphrase is outwork everybody. Now I know that doesn't mean like the literal, like the, you know, shoot style, like outwork, like I'm the best wrestler out of everyone. It's more like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a hard worker guys and I'm going to be determined and stuff like that. But uh, not the best start to Christian's AEW run. Then we get a little vignette with Darby. I haven't seen one of these in a while uh, talking more about Matt Hardy. We get some money flying from the sky and Darby talking about how he, you know, it, it was more just, you know, the, that punk type of, guy just talking about how you're a corporate shill and you care about money blah 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 blah, and i'm going to teach you a lesson I, I i really enjoyed it i like these types of vignettes from darby and it's setting up the next chapter for him possibly with sting going up against matt hardy and whoever so i i like like you touched on the vignettes are great when darby's in this kind of setting the thing i'm nervous about is i don't want to see darby and sting all the time I do want Darby on his own having matches, which, you know, we, we do get, but every big thing, I don't want to have him always have sting. I think Darby needs to have some bigger named matches by himself on pay-per-views and not have, have not to have, not to have sting by his side all the time. I think that kind of hurts him and devalues it a little bit. When sting first kind of attached himself to Darby, I was a little worried that it was going to be, you know, sting and his little buddy darby but that, ha- that hasn't been the case thus far darby has been equal to sting and maybe even darby has been a little bit more of the alpha compared to sting and i agree with you possibly you know have darby do his own thing a little bit more often like with the match he's going to have next week against uh you know one of the guys from dark whatever the fuck his name is just have darby come out have a have a, a good match with the guy sting doesn't need to come out maybe after the match if you know, Matt Hardy's goons attack him and Sting makes a save. You can do something like that, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't have too much of an issue with it, but I can see where you're coming from. Well, I appreciate that you see where I'm coming from because I want Darby Allen to be the neck, one of the next world heavyweight champions we have. And I, I think he can achieve that if he's always with Sting. So then we had Jade Cardgill. She cuts a promo and I thought it was good, kind of reminding you, I'm here. She called out Red Velvet. She said that she is that bitch. Maybe leaning a little bit too much into like, oh my God, you know, I said an expletive. I'm a bad bitch and stuff like that. Uh, this also leads into QT and Cody. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about that, but also Jade attacks Red Velvet after whatever whatever happened with Cody. So continuing with the Jade Red Velvet feud. Yeah, I, I really... To me, this feud isn't really necessary. It's one of those things where it should have been a one and done with the Shaq Cody thing, but you know, it's not. The promos have been good. I, th- I think Jade carries herself as a star. This feud should be to get Jade over. She crushes Red Velvet and she moves on to whatever the next thing, whether they put her right to the title picture, which I don't think she's ready for it because that I mean she's only had like what one match in her career or at least on television. So maybe you you string this out a little bit and then maybe you move her up to uh, uh, Thunder Rosa Hikaru Shida if she doesn't have the title on her, Chris Statlander some something uh, more like that. Then QT Marshall and Cody had their exhibition match with Arn Anderson as a special guest ref. 
Cody seemingly was going to uh, win the match, but as he said, he didn't want to put the figure four on QT. QT gets angry, Dex double A, and they had the entire Nightmare Factory around. And now QT has his own little faction, and this led to a big old beatdown of everyone else. And Cody almost got decapitated until Red Velvet made the save, and then yeah, wonderful, another faction. I think there's 12 total now. 12 is way too fucking many. Can we not? I mean, what, what's what's next? We're going to have, you know, Jim Ross and Excalibur fucking create one or something fucking annoying. I don't have that big of an issue with all these factions. I think the more troublesome thing is the fact that it's QT Marshall and he is the leader. And what does this mean for him now? my presumption is this is just a storyline and an angle created for Cody. Like maybe, you know, QT will get one up on Cody, but for the most part, every single match Cody wins. This is just kind of a little distraction for whatever big Cody has next coming up down the pipeline. So the faction thing I can, I can see where people are coming from. Like, Oh my God, you're just kind of leading too heavy into factions, but like, I don't, get i don't like hate it that much like i come from new japan almost everyone's in a faction there i know there's those are kind of bigger factions like everyone's kind of like in a 10 12 whatever man group and maybe the it's the stories that people don't have an issue that have an issue with because it's like oh it's faction versus faction but i don't have that big of an issue compared to as it seems like you do the vibe i get is wcw Everybody has an NWO, an LWO, a fucking, you know, JWO and give, you know, it's everybody's in a, you know, group and, you know, it's just too many people to keep track of who's in what, who's in who, who's fighting who. So that's it's just like, it's just like high school. Everyone has their own click. Fuck high school. Damn, Dominic. That's where you met the studio audience. Damn, I'm like I cornered you. I, I was trying to put you over, and then you just you slither your way out of it. I love her. Just get the fuck on. I gotta go pee. Well, Dominic, you can go pee right now. I'll uh, I'll pat it out a little bit for you, okay? Dominic, you gonna pee? How, how how about you just like talk for the next like five minutes, and then I come in and we get the whoa, WWE. Whoa, whoa, okay, whoa. bye bye. Who, who the hell takes a piss for five minutes unless you're trying to do some extracurricular activities down hey, there, whoa, Dominic? Whoa, 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 no. I'm gonna go pee. Get a sip of water and then I'm gonna come back. For okay. like two minutes. Okay. I'm gonna hold you to that. One, two, three, go. So we did get maybe not another faction, but we have another pairing. Scorpio Sky going from SCU, and he has another teammate now in Ethan Page. Now is I would assume this is more of a tag team. It was more of the WWE contrived con- con- contrivacy, controversy. of you know kind of finishing each other's not finishing each other's sentences but kind of you know talking one at a time blah 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 i'm not the biggest fan of this pairing not not that they're not talented but i think they could have done better on their own and especially with scorpio leaving scu an established tag team do something that i know they got frank uh, kaz and daniels doing their own thing but is this just a way to get these guys together so they can have more of it more depth at, at the tag team heel side of things because they have a lot of good tag teams, but on the heel front, they don't have that many credible tag teams. You have the uh, FTR. I mean, Lucha bros, who knows what exactly they are, but 
I can kind of see where they're coming from, but uh, not a good start for Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Then that's where we saw Jade attack Red Velvet. Already kind of talked about that. Then we get John Moxley cutting a promo backstage. Another one of Moxley's stellar promos, just kind of talking about uh, what's his face, Eddie Kingston hurting his ankle, you know, getting his ankle smashed, and he just goes back and forth, puts over Cesar Benoni, but says that he's going to choke him out. He looks like a million bucks, so you can make a lot of money with him, but, you know, sucks for AEW that they put this guy in front of me because I'm going to, you know, choke him out, and I'm going to stand tall and everything like that, and I'm going to pissed off mood, and I'm going to show it. And he kind of did. Moxley goes up against Cesar Benoni with uh, Nick Nemeth, and whoever the other dude is that's going to face Darby Allen next week for the TNT title. But the match was fine. I think they went through a commercial break, so Moxley was kind of selling throughout the commercial break. But uh, Benoni, he's a big dude. He's credible. He hasn't gotten a lot of – I mean, I don't think he's really gotten a win on Dynamite, but they've been building him up on Dark Enough, and he has a physical credibility to at least you know be working over Moxley for a kind of an extended amount of time, and then uh, Moxley gets the win, chokes him out, as he said, which is what baby faces should do. When baby exactly, faces right? Say, exactly, Dominic. Your thoughts on the Moxley promo and the match? Oh, it was fucking amazing, man. I was so juiced in it. Like, Moxley was like, I'm going to kick his ass. You know, so good. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, Team Taz had a promo kind of continuing on with the other cage, Brian Cage. Uh, not exactly being on the same page, but they're just kind of doing their own thing, not really in a program, but just kind of reminds you that they're there. Which that that's one thing that I was nervous about this whole team task thing, which is because Brian cage on his own is a dominant force should be kicking ass and taking names. But I feel like with team locking himself into team Taz is kind of a downfall for him. Cage on his own. You know, really good wrestler looks like a million bucks, but it's the promos that is going to be his down, not his downfall per se, but you know, he, he's not the strongest. And I think pairing him up with Taz, have him talk for him, and Cage can just say, you know, his little catchphrase at the end, it works out. And I think this is definitely, I'm higher on the pairing than I think you are because I'm not as high on Cage's promo ability, but they're, they're definitely going somewhere with this. Now, is that going to be Cage? breaking off as a singles guy and being a babyface, Possibly. But we will have to stay tuned and find out. We have Don Callis interrupting a Young Bucks promo, and he just kind of tells Nick to go fuck off, and then Nick goes and fucks off, and then he goes and talks to Matt a little bit, slaps Matt. Matt gets in his face a little bit, doesn't really physically attack him. But, uh, you know, building up that match. Then we get Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers defeating Triangula de la Muerte, Laredo Kid, loses to Kenny with the one-week angel. The match was okay, not as good as the uh, Death Triangle and Young Bucks Cutler match from last week. But uh, then we get on to Moxley and the Young Bucks facing off, get a little bit of a a brawl. And next week, we kind of thought this was the case, Moxley and the Bucks go up against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. And I cannot wait for that just because it should be a phenomenal match, one would say. No? You don't think it's going to be a phenomenal match, Brandon? Why don't you think it's going to be a phenomenal match? Well, I didn't know AJ Styles was in the match. Oh, because I said phenomenal earlier. You're so funny. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe they're going a little bit 
you know, not hot shotting per se, but maybe you could have told the story a little bit differently of the Young Bucks not really wanting to go up against Kenny, being reluctant. You're like, we're not friends, but I don't attack you. You know, I still got some love for you, even though I don't like you and everything like that. But uh, the match would be really good. I This probably isn't the end of the the story. Maybe we, we run it back again. Maybe there's kind of a schmoz. Who knows? But this is going to be AEW's answer to TakeOver, which we'll preview in a little bit. Then we got the typical one women's match per Dynamite. The Bunny and Nyla Rose defeat Ty Conti and Hikaru Shida. Uh, Bunny hitting Conti with the kendo stick for the win. Is... So we, we talked shit about WWE's all these bad finishes and all that. Do you consider this a you know bad finish? It's not a clean finish, which is always a negative, I will say. And uh, the bunny, she hasn't really wrestled much, if at all, on AEW, which I think has been kind of a uh, you know a lost opportunity. But they're they're getting on it now. And Ty Conti, you know, taking the loss. If it's going to be between her and Shida, they're obviously going to have Conti lose. But, uh, you know, it's fine, I guess. I have less of an issue with it because it is the one thing that they did that they did on the show. Like the one shitty finish they did on the show. And everything else was clean, so it's okay to have that one shitty finish. Yes. And gotcha. I can't believe I just completely glossed over this, but we have the inner circle returning Dominic. Oh I know. Uh, the pinnacle was in their locker rooms and then MJF opens up the bathroom and just look at that. The inner circle just happens to be there. And then we get a big old brawl. The inner circle is back. We will hear from them next week. But Dominic, what'd you think of the inner circle returning and the, uh, the beatdown angle? Well, MJF I mean, we, we were all, thinking that it was going to be like bits and pieces and then the big one was Jericho coming in at, the, at this random moment but it was cliche to say another release I mean yeah it was a big moment but I mean to be in their bathroom it just seemed a little much for me I'd much rather have them been like outside waiting for them by their car by their limousine or whatever their bus or whatever and have them attack him outside you could have done a lot more but nevertheless it was still fun to see I agree. The The reveal of the inner circle being there was a little too cute, but I still thought overall the angle was effective. Dax getting busted open hard way on the top of the head and Santana's wife beater just covered in blood. It was a nice little touch, even though it wasn't planned, but should be uh, you know a good faction warfare, even though Dominic hates factions. I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I just, you know. You just hate when there's 12 of them. Exactly. Then in the main event, we had arcade anarchy orange cassidy and chucky t goes up against kip sabian and miro we had two returns in this match chris statlander was hiding in the the claw and she attacks penelope ford and we get sue driving her white minivan to drop off her kid trent also makes his return lays out miro miro goes to a table kind of right not writing them off but explaining why he was down and then chucky t Puts Kip Sabian through a table on the stage or whatever, gets the pin. Uh, the match was kind of chaotic and all over the place. Uh, your thoughts on this match? Oh, all over the place, definitely. Um, 
I, I love the fact that Sue came back into, in, into this storyline a little bit and Statlander. I thought it was kind of funny and kind of cool to have her in there, but oddly placed machine, you know, it's kind of weird to have it right there, but um, I wouldn't say it, it wasn't my favorite. It wasn't the worst, but it was one of those moments where you're like, okay, that's cool. Like they're back. Cool. But you know, going forward to see what they do and how they kind of finally come to an end with this whole Miro Sabian best friends thing. I want this to end so we can move on. So everybody can move on, especially Miro. Yeah. They teased Kip and Miro having a little bit of dissension, especially with Penelope getting laid out and Miro not exactly caring. They didn't play into that really at all. We don't think we got a promo really got anything before the match even started. So maybe they go to that where Kip turns babyface against Miro, but then Penelope has her own thing with Chris Statlander. I don't know where they're going to go with that, but the match itself, it was okay. I think coming off the backs of Brit and Thunder Rosa just two weeks ago, kind of almost the complete opposite of a hardcore match where it wasn't exactly played for comedy, but it wasn't this, you know, death match like, the match with the women had a few weeks ago, or even the parking lot brawl, the best friends and Santana Ortiz had last year. So yeah, I, I didn't hate the match. Didn't think it was that great either, but I do like the returns of uh, Statlander and Trent more. So Statlander, because she was catching some fire before she did get injured and she's a good talent. She's a little green, but with the, the depth of the women's division being an issue, I think, just more bodies is always a positive for the AEW's women division. Exactly. And, you know, big upside for her, I think, too. Yeah. And, and linking her up with the best friends in Cassidy, that's a fun little, little, whatever pairing or grouping that they have over there. Now, over on to NXT, they're building to NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, which is next week. The opening match was Cameron Grimes defeating Roderick Strong. Why? Because Roderick Strong got distracted by an armband that was hiding in Cameron Grimes's nutsack. Are you allowed to say nutsack? I mean, we're not going to get canceled for that, right? We're, you know, we're deep enough into the podcast that I think we could say nutsack. Okay. Was it a nice nutsack? And we didn't see the nutsack. We just know that's where the, the armband came from. Nice, nice. This nice. I think it did. Did it come from his trunk? Once again, a distraction finish is freaking annoying. I'm getting over it. You're getting over it, so you're starting to like distraction finishes? I'm sorry. It's getting old. I'm over it. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Another distraction finish starting it off hot. Usually they save the one distraction finish for like the semi-main event on these shows, but starting the show off hot, Grimes gets the win, which good for good for him. Actually getting a win here. But uh, Roger Strong, he was sulking after the fact. He was leaving the Capitol Wrestling Center. And uh, one of the backstage interviewers asked him, where's he going or what's wrong? And he just said, I'm done. And he leaves. So what do you think is next for Roger Strong? I don't know. Um, I feel like everything he's done in NXT is with Undisputed Era. So if there's no Undisputed Area, Area? Er- era. I feel like he he's nothing, you know. He didn't really have, before Undisputed, he didn't really have much going on for him. So, you know, maybe he gets called up. Maybe he goes after Gargano. Maybe, I don't know. 
I just don't know what's next, and I'm nervous for him. Yeah, when he first came into NXT as just you know Roderick Strong from the from the indie scene, he was kind of bland, didn't have too much of a character. He was a really good worker, really good wrestler, but the the character, the promos weren't there. Now with him being an undisputed, maybe he was able to work on that, find his footing more. And if he leaves and comes back, whether he brings Bobby Fish with him, maybe. We Bobby Fish has been injured since War Games. They haven't really heard too much on him. But uh, I think he's just going to come back completely repackaged, not like a brand new gimmick, but maybe he goes more back to ROH PWG Roderick Strong, which I'm fine with. And if he adds more of the personality that he got from the Indisputed Era, that just makes it even better. Let's cross our fingers then. Then we get Santos Escobar having an open challenge, and he faces against Tyler Breeze. A good match. Maybe you don't want your Cruiserweight champion going that long with Tyler Breeze, but, you know, solid match, and it sort of kind of builds up for the ladder match at TakeOver. I like it. I like it was Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze, at one point, I mean, he was contending for the NXT title. So I, I think going that long was well worth it. And to me, it was a good match. Tyler Breeze was once in upon a time, one of the most overacts in NXT, which is saying something. Cause that was back in the, in the glory days, but and uh, somebody might have got us brought a selfie stick to a show, right? No, I couldn't bring my selfie stick oh. in because the, uh, they told me I couldn't bring it in and that everyone saw that. And I told them, and then I got the whole ticket line or the whole, you know, entrance line chanting selfie stick proud moment of my career. Uh, the way, Candice LeRae and Indy Wrestling have a little squash match, kind of establishing them. And then they call out uh, Shotzi and Ember. They go back and forth. Shotzi drives her little tank. And this sets up a tag team title match at TakeOver. Cannot wait. I think this has the opportunity to be a five-star match. Okay, okay. Going up against some stiff competition on night two, but we will get into that a little bit. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez defeats Zoe Stark. And once again, Zoe comes in to NXT touted as this, you know, young prospect, and she loses like all of her matches except for one. I mean, damn it, she puts up a fight. How how is that a bad thing? I mean, you you can get knocked down every time and then takes that one. Big match to make you a star, Brandon. So you're just banking on her losing every single match to EO and Raquel. And then just all of a sudden she wins that one match against. Yep. It's going to be just like whatever. Swerve Scott. He loses all his matches, then turns heel, wins one match, and then loses again. Yeah. You know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, she's going to be there losing everything, drop her, then. A heel champion at the time is going to be like, oh, who wants to face me? You. And she's going she's to win the championship. Just like Paige did her first night on Raw. She went in, beat AJ Lee with a Paige Turner. It's a glorious moment. Just wait. I am not going to hold my breath, but I will wait. We get the prime target, Cole and O'Reilly. Both of them were kind of sitting like in a, uh, what do you call it? Not investigative in, Dominic, help me out here. Interrogation room. Thank you, Dominic, for the help. I couldn't unmute my, my microphone quick enough. Uh, so they have like a little questionnaire with uh, Cole and O'Reilly. They you know talk about them having a long relationship. They run some of the highlights. And both of us have been kind of down on the promos and the story going into this. But not saying this completely fixed everything, but the production, the story, the little promos that they had sprinkled in 
fantastic. And this is what I'm talking about. NXT has the opportunity to put on good stories, great promos, great vignettes, great matches, great everything. If they put the time into it, this was a good, this was a plus. Gotta agree there. Sprinkled throughout the show on NXT, we got a little Pomeranian running through the Performance Center and into the Capitol Wrestling Center. And then it ends up that it goes to a woman wearing some heels and it says April 12th, I think. The April, yeah, April 12th, no, 13th, whatever. The Tuesday after WrestleMania, NXT officially going to Tuesdays on USA. Frankie will make her debut, and Frankie Dominic is Taya Valkyrie. So Taya Valkyrie getting her debut, the NXT after WrestleMania. Frankie? I don't know if that's like her full name, but that's... uh, I mean... The Pomeranian was Taya Valkyrie and uh, John Morrison's dog, so we all know it's Taya Valkyrie. Well, yeah, but... Oh, wait, the Frankie was the dog's name. Uh, Maybe, but... I really hope her name is not Frankie. Like, like, can it be just Taya spelled differently or, you know, call her Val or something? I don't know, but not. I, I God, I'm nervous now. But you're excited for Taya Valkyrie to make her debut on NXT. Yes, very excited. Can't wait. So excited. Can't just hide it or whatever. Uh, maybe her debut will go up against either Zia Lee, Casey Catanzaro, or Caden Carter. But first, they did have a tag team match, Zia Lee and whatever the leader zombie lady was supposed to be in a tag team match, but it was just Zayed taking on Casey and Caden. Caden goes up to scary zombie lady and scary zombie lady chokes out Caden and sprays some like smoke in her face and Caden passes out. Zayed gets the win over Casey. Boom. There goes dynamite. Fucking terrible. I don't like the shtick of I'm going to, you know, poison you or drug you or whatever. Not this day and age. Age. Not 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 very good to see that, but nevertheless entertaining. The Zia Lee storyline has been uh, underrated and entertaining for what it is. Now, hopefully, they don't go too deep into the the lore and because they introduced the zombie Japanese lady as like being thousands of years old and being this deity entity. So, I mean, they could go that direction, which hopefully they don't. But yeah, never know. Then. We have the main event of the Gauntlet Eliminator Tournament and very simple, easy to follow along uh, rules here. And in the end, we have Leon Ruff. This is going from number one to number six entry. Leon Ruff, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, and LA Knight filling out the six spots in that order for the uh, battle with the whatever gauntlet match that's going to take place on takeover oh my god (laughs) this is fucking terrible this is a terrible fucking match i'm sorry the only star in my opinion out of that technically to me is is la Knight. now i know grimes and loomis are kind of you know on their way up that ladder of upper 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 echelons sorry but the only star is knight so is it safe to say Knight is the shoe in? Is he a star? He just lost to Bronson Reed. But big name outside of the company. He used to, he used to be Mr. Eli Drake. So, you know, big name. But 
I think the shoe in has to be nine. And if it's not, they're going to be stupid to give it to Loomis. Well, let's just jump into it. We got TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver Night 1. We will have that gauntlet match between the six men we talked about. Uh, Dominic seemingly going heavy on LA Knight. I'm going to fade him. I really don't want Loomis. Now, they haven't really gone too deep into the Loomis storyline with Gargano recently. Hopefully, that means they're stepping away from it. But uh, my expectations is Loomis wins to get Loomis and Gargano. But my hope is that either Cameron Grimes or Bronson Reed gets the win because if I'm just going strictly off of matches, those two will have the best match with Gargano. Uh, I'll stick with nine. And I will go with Loomis. Now, continuing on the night one card, uh, Pete Dunne and Kushida. This is just kind of a thrown-together match. Kushida cut a promo talking about you know being in the... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. And now Kushida and Pete Dunne are going to have a match, one-on-one takeover. Uh if this was like a NXT main event on television, I have high expectations. I know that kind of flies in the face of TakeOver, but this is probably the opening match, and it's not going to be you know, that long, I would say. We'll, go with, we'll, we'll both go with Pete Dunne, though. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pete Dunne. Kushida got a little bit of a push, but Pete Dunne, you know, kind of with, especially with Lorcan and Birch being gone, maybe they're going to, maybe they put him on ice too and have Kushida get the win, but I'm going to go with Dunne on this one. Then, speaking of Lord, uh, Birch and Lorgan, they had to vacate the tag titles, and we will have the triple threat tag team match to determine the new NXT tag team champions. We got the battle of the three-letter acronyms, MSK, GYV, and LDP. Dominic, which one of those three letters is going to get the WIN? MSK, F-O-R-T-H-E-W-I-N. Exactly. We both said it kind of when this uh, injury first happened that MSK give them the win. They are not exactly on fire, but they're the new act. They won the Dusty Cup. Give them the win. They can, you know, beat the other two guys, the other two teams in, you know, separate feuds and then have Lorcan and Birch return in a few months when uh, Birch's shoulder heals. And uh, the way the tag team division is just put it on the fresh young talent, the fresh new talent that doesn't have a, not exactly a stigma. Like, I mean, maybe Legato Del Fantasma has more of a stigma being jobbers, but I think you can do a lot more with MSK. 100% can't agree with you more. MSK, well-deserving. Grizzled Young Vets, still well-deserving. Um, you know, well, well, I mean, it'll be, it'll be fun to see who wins and what goes on going forward with the tag titles. Then we got probably the match I'm most looking forward to on night one. And possibly overall, we get Walter taking on Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT UK title. Walter having a historic 500-plus day reign going up against Ciampa. I thought Ciampa had a really good promo last uh, on NXT, kind of explaining the meaning behind the necklace that Walter ripped off. Given the time, given the circumstances, I think this match can be absolutely phenomenal. It does kind of hurt that is for the UK title. I really don't see Ciampa having any real chance of winning, but maybe they play into that and they can get Ciampa, you know, a sneaky win. And he goes over to the UK and he's the top dog there for some reason. I don't know. Or Ciampa wins it, goes to NXT UK and drops it to somebody there because, you know, 
somebody in the UK. Well, Walter has a feud going on in, the, in NXT UK. I can't remember who the guy's name is, but, you know, he pushed him down. Ooh, but I'm going to go with Walter retaining. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Walter. Maybe the match will be hurt by the fact that they don't have, uh, you know, that they, they don't have Ciampa like being seriously as a winner, but uh, we shall, we shall see. Then in the main event, Io Shirai takes on Raquel Gonzalez. As we said earlier, they had the storyline sprinkled throughout that Io uh, is going, you know, attacking Raquel. Dominic, do they pull the trigger and give Raquel the win and the title? No, I think Io should lose it to somebody else. Well, more deserving, like Shotzi. Dominic, definitely not biased by any means. I really think there is a possibility of Gonzalez getting the win. Io, not saying she's cold, but she's kind of run her course, and I don't know exactly where else you go here. Uh, you know, switch things up. I think they're going to put the title on Raquel. She did get the big win over her on War Games. They hadn't really played into that too, too much, but Raquel has been so dominant everywhere else that it doesn't really bear worth repeating. So I'm going to go with Raquel and Dominic will go with Io. Then moving so, on, what? I was going to say, you have about five minutes to get through night two before I have to leave. So make it quick or you got to cover yourself. Is that a, that a threat? That is God. That is a damn threat, mister. I didn't I know it takes a, Well, why don't you comp the fuck down, Dominic? All right. I go as slow as I want. Shotzi and Ember Moon take on The Way. Candice and Indy Wrestling tag team title match. Are we going to get some hot shot or not hot shotting, but hot potatoing with the women's tag titles, possibly put it on the way or does your girl Shotzi and Ember retain? I think they'll, they'll retain just because they, they need to retain no matter what they need to retain. So I'm going to go with them retaining. I'm going to go with the way to get the win mainly because I can see them wanting to have a little bit of fun of Johnny having the title, you know, Candace and Indy having the title and Austin theory being the one guy without a title. They can, you know, make fun of him and, you know, bust his balls on that front. Now, is it a good move? Maybe probably not. I mean, the NXT women's tag titles are already kind of on shaky ground to begin with and having three champions in the first month, not exactly the best, but I can see them going this way because they want to have some fun with it. Then, Going uh, Gargano, the winner of that gauntlet match. Dominic has Gargano versus LA Knight. I have Gargano versus Loomis. I'm still going to go with Gargano retaining no matter who he faces. Now, I know he's a heel, and he's been complaining about not having you know enough opportunity, enough time to prepare. So maybe they lead into that, but I think Gargano gets the win here. Wow, I'm going to hit the fucking mute button. Jesus. Okay. Um... If it's night, Gargano retains. If it's Loomis, like you say, Loomis will be your new champion. Please, please, God, no. No, no, no. But in my heart of heart, hopefully Gargano takes on either Cameron Grimes or Bronson Reed. They can have a really good standout match. Then, moving on to the ladder match between the two Cruiserweight champions, Jordan Devlin and Santos Escobar. I, I don't know exactly what to expect from this match. It should be a really fun, athletic, high spotty. Jordan Devlin still has a little bit of the stigma from speaking out. Not saying that's going to factor into the decision, 
but I still keep it on Santos Escobar. And I'll fade you. I'll go with Devlin. I I think, you know, he needs it. Go with Devlin. All right. And then we got the two co-main events. Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly in the non-sanctioned match. The lights will still be on. So there you go. Uh, unsanctioned, hardcore type of match. This is not going to be, this is not the main event. This is a co-main event. So this isn't going to be, you know, the last match like Gargano and Ciampa has been. But what are you expecting from this match? I know you said last week that you're not expecting it to be fantastic. So are you going to double down on that? I'll double down on it, definitely. Um, you know, it's not the main event. It's not the real main event. So it's it's and plus Ciampa, Gargano had history. I feel like this isn't really built up all that well. So don't expect much. I think the match will be better than what Dominic is saying. I do agree that that it's not hitting a crescendo similar to what Ciampa and Gargano had, but I don't think this is a blow off by any means. They're kind of building it as such, but maybe they hold back a little bit and maybe just the brawl gets too out of con- not I hope they don't do like a non-finish where they just go balls to the wall and like they you know do some stupid where they end up in a brawl and they just never actually finish the match. But we didn't get a prediction. I'm going to go with Cole getting the win just because I don't think this is the finale. So give Cole the win a little underhanded, even though it's everything's legal. And so you can build the feud out a little bit more. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you just because I phased you on the uh, cruiserweight one, but I'll agree just because like, they're going to have this another match and O'Reilly's going to at the, at the end, win it eventually. So he'll Cole will win the battle, but O'Reilly will win the war. And now in the main event of night two of NXT takeover, we got the NXT men's championship. Finn Balor takes on Karrion and cross. They had some sit down promos on this week's show, uh, you know, kind of culminating with the stare down two weeks ago. Balor and Cross, you know, Cross being the bigger guy, coming back from injury, trying to win the title he never lost. Does he do that? Yes. I think it's only fitting to have Cross find, regain what's his. If Finn and him still have a storyline going forward, great. But you need to put it on Cross. I think putting it on Finn was just a, he was just holding it for Cross until he came back. So put it back on Cross and. Let Finn do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Probably give him some time off, though. I will agree with you. I will have Cross winning this match. We haven't really heard too much rumblings about him getting called up. I still think he's main roster ready. Looks like a million bucks. Vince is probably going to love him, if not already. I think that's the only thing that's maybe putting me a little bit uh, hesitant to have Cross win this match, but... Yeah, you obviously they had some sort of storyline with Cross after he after he won, but then he had to relinquish it. So maybe they get back on schedule. It is kind of a newer NXT. You know, the landscape has changed a tad bit, but as you said, Cross won it, and then Balor filled in form after the injuries. So then just put it back on Cross so you can uh, get back to your regular scheduled program. Is that it? Yes, Dominic, that is it. That is all we have on the docket, unless there is some 
more late breaking news, but uh, let's see. No, there isn't. I, you know, I'm two minutes over. I'm supposed to leave at one ten, but I said, you know what? The fans need me here for the two minutes. I'm here. Well, I didn't know. Sign it took off. You, I didn't know it took you 50 minutes to, you know, drive all the way to whatever it is, Dublin. Actually, well, if there's traffic, you mick asshole, Jesus. Well, ah. Have you checked to see if there's mick no, traffic? I can do that right now, but you can sign us off while I'm checking. Okay. Well, thank you all very much for tuning in. That has been another edition of Curveballs and Share Shots. If you'd like to participate on the podcast, you can send in some questions, curveball and cs at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both curveballs and cs. We're also on the Facebook, we're on the YouTube, we're on TikTok, we're on Twitch, even though we never post anything on Twitch. Full links down in the description of this podcast. For Dominic, for me, the studio audience who's going to flip the fuck out of Dominic if he shows up at 201, which isn't going to happen. Dominic will be there on time. Okay, then I need to leave. Hurry up. Oh, my God. I mean, do we have to? Maybe we can talk a little bit more. You know, we have big, big. I got a fart. Did you hear that? Yes, we did hear that, Dominic. Yeah. Congratulations for everyone who stood and listened to the end which is pretty much just Mr. X, but uh, thank y'all very much. We got a big, big week next week. We will recap NXT TakeOver. We got WrestleMania, blah, 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 blah. New Japan Sakura Genesis this weekend with that new trash-looking IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Dominic, quick, your, your, your take on the title belt and what do you think it looks like? It is fucking terrible. It is reminds me of TNA when Jeff Hardy had his little purple face built. It looks terrible. There you go. And on that note, goodbye and good night. Uh, bye bye.